Mother! Oh, God! Mother! Mother. Your mother is an artist. I'm not going to suddenly stop doing that because I have children. So you never felt that your mother exploited you or used you? I took the leap of faith into motherhood. I make a better aunt than I would a mother, I think. My mother, she had to make it like that. She's the most difficult job on the planet. She's the mother. That sounds like a mother already devastated by the death of one son. She's going to kill me. So knowing how to prepare for Mother Nature theory can actually save your life. Barack Obama hated his mother. Mama, I love you, and we're going to celebrate all hour with a cake. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mother, a podcast. I am Amy Gastelum. And I am the other half of Mother, Anne Noyes-Sani. Today we are hearing from non-moms, women who have chosen or are choosing not to become mothers. That's right. These are women who we usually don't hear from. And so for this episode, we're handing them the mic and we're turning the episode over to their stories. You have some idea of, of how that decision works. Your daughter is almost a year old now, right? That's right. She's 10 months. How, how did you know that you wanted to be a mother? Well, I think growing up, whenever I had projections of my life as an adult, it, I was always a mom. And I don't I think it might have to do a little bit with like I grew up taking care of lots of kids. And then working as a nurse, um, I worked with moms and babies. And so it doesn't inti- it doesn't intimidate me so but what about you you don't have kids yet where where are you in that decision making process i i think i do want to have children and i'm you know i'm at that point where my doctor is having those talks like you better do this or you know or it's not going to be you know biologically possible so i'm definitely thinking about it very seriously but i feel very sort of content with the way my life is is now, and I really wonder if I would have to give up a lot of things that I love uh, in order to to care for a child. And I wonder this is going to sound awful. I I wonder if I would resent having to give up my things um, to take care of a baby. And you can't change your mind, right? After you have a child, um, which is actually something that we're going to hear about in one of our stories for this episode. I, I don't think that's awful at all. I think that that's very, a very conscientious <laughs> approach to the decision. So, But you make a good point about this idea of um, being able to change your mind afterwards. And I'm excited to hear that story that you're alluding to. But first, we are going to hear from Madeline. She's a 31-year-old woman living in Brooklyn, um, but she's originally from Michigan. So here's her story. So let's see. It was in a a hot summer day. It was in Queens. Um, and it was at a park. And it's a birthday party um, for my cousin's kids. And I think one of the things we played was um, we 
there was like little train structures that they can go on and sit and they could be like the captain of the train or there was like a little schoolhouse and they played that for like two seconds or they might go underneath like this monkey bar play structure thing i mean everything was like two three seconds and then another you know and then they're on to something else so by the end of the the party I was exhausted and I just took my little bag and I, you know, gave my hugs, my kisses and I was walking away. And then I hear my cousin saying to, you know, my other cousin, his wife, hey, we got leftovers, like hot dog, hamburger. Great. We could like grill these up for the kids for dinner. And that's when I realize that I get to go home and leave the birthday party and that the birthday party is actually continuing on at a different location in their house. They can't take a nap. I can. <laughs> so at that point, I, I started, you know, having doubts about, is this really what I want? And it sounds sort of silly, like that I want to nap whenever I want to nap. But, you know, for most of my life, I didn't really imagine myself as a mother. But I would say about the time, like maybe about a year or two ago, like, I wanted to be a mother and I um, it came about when I think friends and family would be like you know you you probably regret it if you didn't have you know a kid so then I thought about it I was like I guess like if you have a kid you, you're not gonna regret having a kid but if you don't have a kid you're likely going to regret it and I was like you know what yeah this is something I want and this is how I'm gonna pursue future relationships and partnerships with this in mind um but I um but I actually don't feel I don't feel a strong push or or desire to have actually I don't feel a desire to have kids and yeah I think yeah, I, I I mean, yeah, I don't feel a desire to have kids and I don't really have like an XYZ reason based on like, you know, what kids do to your life or, or how they enrich your life or whatever. But when you're on a more exploratory route or if you're unsure and you have all these questions in mind, usually that means you're more flexible. So I think it is hard to um, actually ask yourself if this is what you want, especially if, let's say, your partner or your family has a particular opinion about it. My mother actually said something really interesting. She basically said, like, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, if you want to get married, you can, but if you don't, you don't have to. If you want to have kids, you can. If you don't, like, you can do any of it right now and it's totally acceptable. So I I mean I know that in deep in her heart she really would like to have some grandkids. You know, she loves caretaking. That's part of her identity. But ultimately I think she was coming from a place of just an unconditional love for my happiness and my path and just so that I don't feel the pressure. I think I think my mom in some ways she's really um progressive and soulful and she really I, I think at that time it's not acknowledging of like what one should do as much as it is like I love you I care about you and I want you to be happy 
So despite Madeline's mom's really loving declaration that Madeline can do whatever she wants, she still doesn't know whether she wants to have a baby or not. But she says that, you know, she's a lot more relaxed when it comes to dating. She's not making sure that she's only dating guys that want to have kids. I mean, that sounds only like a good thing, perhaps. Yeah, like living in the present rather than, you know, five or ten years in the future. So um, we have another younger woman up next, right? Who Who is that? Uh, Leah is somebody that I met when we shared a cab home from a party. And she started talking about her views on mothering. And she was so emphatic and so interesting that I begged her for her phone number so I could interview her for this episode. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. You met someone at a party... You happened to share a cab home with her and somehow you ended up talking about how she feels about having children? I mean... Wow, Amy. (laughs) I think this podcast is taking over our lives. Yeah, it really might be. (laughs) Uh... So this is Leah. She is originally from Florida, right? Right. And like Madeline, she's 31 and she is living in Brooklyn. I grew up with a very attentive mother who was like a career mom that was her career was raising her two kids and she feels like it was the best thing she ever did and she doesn't understand how I can't I told her I was doing this actually and what she said to me was now Leah you know me you know I'm cool and I, when I tell you, I swear, this is the best thing I ever did with my life. How can you not just believe me and be a little interested in following suit? And I'm just not. The primary reason that you don't want to have children, what, what is that? I, well, there's a number of reasons. But when I really think about my life and its trajectory, I don't see this in the picture. I prefer to cultivate my skills and my talents and ideas rather than procreate. But also I have a lot of worry. I go to bed very concerned about my own life and well-being and my boyfriend Nick's and my parents and my brother and his kid. And I can't imagine introducing another extension, another human to to worry about in that way. It's really... um, I have an overwhelming fear of someone dying by way of a tragic occurrence. And even myself, I'm really worried about my own mortality. You li- it sounds like you live with a little bit of fear. I do. I have fear. I have fear, and I think that that probably has to do with my upbringing. My mother's Catholic. Okay. Well, how does that relate to fear for you? I feel like, in a way, I grew up with the fear of God in me about certain things. And that was bestowed upon me by my mother's sort of strict religious upbringing that she had and that she felt was the right ethical way to raise her kids. So your mom essentially filled you with fear. And then now you're turning around and going, Mom, I can't have a baby because I'm too afraid. I don't think I've said that. I don't think she would even 
think that that she would never be able to take she would never take responsibility for that feeling how about you did you have did you plan your pregnancy yeah i guess i planned it i mean i i was like i know i want to have kids and whatever but children they're so familiar to me that i don't know and plus i really like them but I respect the fact that you're so like conscientious about this and really thinking about it. I mean, you have to have that desire. You have to initiate that on your own. Plus, it's such a commitment. It's it not only takes that desire, but the willingness to commit your whole life and your body and sacrifice so many things. For this child you have to really really want it and if you don't you should not have a child I have some older women in my life that are uh that never had children Nick's aunt is one of them with Nick his aunt was a big influence in his desire to become an artist and she looks great and she's so <laughs> tapped into culture she introduced him to New York she took him here when he was a kid for the first time and they have a really special amazing bond he talks to her every week i think and she's been to visit us more than my parents have been to visit us so i think that's something that is extremely that's a very special and unique relationship that i'm looking forward to with nick's niece as well as my nephew i'm really excited to be this sort of alternate parent and the cool maybe cooler who knows the cool aunt the cool aunt and uncle and i don't think that there's anything wrong with wanting or not wanting to have children it's just a personal choice and you should feel okay with saying babies aren't my thing so not everybody likes babies um, and that's okay. And I think from Madeline and Leah both, we learned that there's other ways to be involved in kids' lives, you know? This cool aunt is an interesting concept. Do you ever worry that you might be upstaged by the cool aunt? Or I am not at all, like, worried about my position in her heart. The reason I'm really excited about this this cool aunt idea is because sometimes I feel like I provide so much of her daily needs. It sometimes can feel like a grind. So I, I'm really grateful for the people in her life that come and play with her without me and stretch her. But here's a question. How do you know if that role being the cool aunt or the cool you know uh friend is like that's enough kid in your life yeah that's a really good question like right now I'm I'm sort of feeling like I have enough lovely children in my life but maybe later on I would want something like more day in and day out not just uh popping in occasionally for some fun but you know literally being the the caretaker, it seems like doing that with your life 
gives you something that you're not going to get from anything else and gives you like sort of a perspective on living and being human and I don't I mean I just wonder if, if I don't experience that if I would feel like I'm missing out on something which is this is something I put a lot of thought into and you know I still haven't figured it out um, and clearly you know Madeline and Leah have been thinking a lot about this and so has the woman in our next story Beth and she is also a Brooklyner uh, but originally from upstate New York so let's listen to her I can remember pretty distinctly being about 25 years old and having a boyfriend who really wanted children and having him say to me, you want children right because I do. I really, really do. And I remember at that moment coming to the realization that, no, maybe, maybe I really don't, actually, and saying that to him. <laughs> what was his reaction? Uh, oh, he got, you know, disgruntled and um, grumbled something like, well, you better figure that out quickly or something like that. So I was 26. Huh. <laughs> how, how old are you now, can I ask? I'm 46 now. I don't have the, the responsibility of another human being's life in my hands. And also, I can, I can take more time to do things. I, I can spend more time at work so I don't have to... I don't have to worry about not having a job that's too demanding because of childcare. I don't. I don't have um, the financial concerns of taking care of a child either. My sense has been that most men ultimately really do want children, and um, and I think many of my longer relationships have. That's been part of the end, if not a contributing factor. Do you have? Do you ever wonder what it would be like to have kids? Do you ever have any moments of regret or? I don't really. I would say that the older I've gotten, the more the decision has solidified. Um, and the more I sort of feel like I really enjoy my friends' kids, but I'm perfectly happy to hand them back at the end of the day and, um, and go back to, to my quiet home. Do you get the feeling that Beth and Madeline both express some almost like shame that they are thinking they're they don't want to be moms shame maybe or i mean at the very least like a reluctance to say that they didn't really want to be mothers yeah i think that i think that women are often expected to have this desire and it's kind of weird i mean how could 51% of the population like all share a, a similar sentiment I don't, I just don't buy it. I don't think it could possibly be true. But also, I don't hear about that lack of desire all that much. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly hesitate to discuss these things with people who I don't know and, and trust, although I'm talking about it right now on a podcast that everybody will <laughs> listen to. Um, but no, I mean, I, I worry certainly in my case that I would um, seem maybe cold or unnatural if if I admitted that I don't really have don't have a strong desire to have children I think people really think that there's something there's something maybe missing in you yeah frigid yeah exactly exactly <laughs> which is laughable to me totally and I mean 
the woman at the center of this next story that we're going to hear is named Beverly. And I think you could say she is anything but frigid. Um, But she is 72. And she is originally from Minnesota. And now she is living in Washington, D.C. And I knew her like throughout my childhood because uh, she's a friend of my parents. Now, I will tell you, in the early days, I would be in a setting with some older women, and they would come up to me, hold on to my hand, and say, Dear, do you have children? And I would say, No. And they would say, Oh, I'm so sorry. So I stopped answering that way, and I started answering, No, thanks, none by choice. And they stopped saying that they were sorry for me. (laughs) When uh, I was married in the 60s in the Midwest, Everybody, all of my friends, married right out of college, and they got jobs, and then the next thing they did was they had children. It was just given that that's what you would do, but after we were married, it became apparent that life was really good the way we were living it, and we weren't looking to have kids, and so we didn't. I was a teacher of of young children for 36 years. That's uh, pretty close to mothering. Did you keep track of some of your students even after they were out of your class? Oh, the students keep track of me, honey. <laughs> and my husband is very cool about this, but we run into them at the theater, in restaurants, all kinds of things. He understands when he hears my name shouted across the room that this is coming and it's okay. I've been retired since um, 2000 and it still happens. Like when I was in the locker room once at the club wearing no clothes and one towel, the set of twins, only one of which I had, came around the corner and they must have been 17 at this point or 18. And thankfully... The one twin that I had came and gave me a giant hug, so I knew right away who that was. You know, you just love the kids because they want to tell you how their life is. They want to say, you'd be so proud of me. I'm in grad school. Did you ever sort of look at at these kids as they're growing up and look at your friends who had children as they were growing up? Did you ever wonder what it might have been like to to have your own kids? Not really. No. Um, both of us are very tall, so we, man- we we figured probably the girls and the boys would both be basketball players. That's about as far as it went. <laughs> Do you remember a particular moment when you sort of knew decisively one way or the other that you did not want to have children? Was there a moment like that? My dear, that was so long ago. I think we had a final discussion early in our marriage, the two of us. And and I said, you sure? He said, yeah. He said, are you sure? I said, I am, my dear. And we've never looked back. When you were growing up and you knew Beverly and her husband, did you ever wonder why they didn't have kids? No, never. It just seemed like that was the way they were. It didn't seem like anything was missing. It didn't seem like 
there was anything wrong with them. Uh, to the contrary, they did a lot of sort of cool trips and they had cool hobbies and you know they were always a lot of fun to be around. Um, I never gave it a second thought. Yeah, and you know, I I can't help but notice that it really seems like she has no regrets at all. And I was kind of listening for that because I'm thinking, is she going to say something about like, you know, I'm older now and I want to be surrounded by my family. And I didn't hear that at all. Oh, yeah, quite the opposite. And I knew I needed to ask that question. I felt a little uncomfortable doing it. Um, But she clearly was not uncomfortable answering that question. And she clearly knows exactly how she feels. No doubt. So I guess now we're moving on to our last story. Um, So we're going to hear from Joan and her mother, Shirley. And uh, Joan is 34, and her mother is um, in her late 50s. And they are both from South Dakota. Um, And actually, I I know Joan because we grew up together. But I, I can say this. When I knew Joan growing up, I didn't know what she's about to talk about in her story. I remember one time, like, a school nurse was doing a physical check on all of us kids. I must have been first grade or something like that. And she looked in my ears, and they must have been filthy. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, doesn't your mother wash your ears out? And I was like, I don't live with my mom. (laughs) I think I always felt close to mom and like I could talk to her about anything but I I always knew that my relationship to my mom was different than the relationship that other friends that I had had with their moms because they would like fight or be annoyed (laughs) at their mom for one thing or the other or the mom would be grounding them and for me it's like when I went to go see mom we just had fun I know because I got I got to be like a grandma in a way because I didn't have to do the discipline I didn't have to get after you to um, do your homework or clean my room clean clean her room or anything because she was uh, you know she just came came and stayed I had a job with public broadcasting in Vermilion and then um, they Bruce got a job in Brookings. and so we would oftentimes just meet in Sioux Falls, you know, rather than drive all the way. We'd meet at the mall mm-hmm. in the parking lot by Burger King. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But then when I moved to Sioux Falls, that was a lot better because that was only an hour away. I mean, up until I think I was five or six or something, I, it was like when we had first moved to Brookings, I would just cry like the whole way home in the car after having to leave mom's house. And I would still, by the time, it was an hour-long drive, still by the time I would get to Brookings, I would still be, like, sobbing. Yeah, it was really tough to let her go, but um, there were so many factors that made it seem like the right thing to do. I had to travel a lot for my work was the main reason, but also Bruce just really needed her. I mean, he told me that if he didn't have her, he would fight me. And who wants to fight, you know? So... You know, back then, it was really <clears throat> rare that, um, and especially for a girl, you know, to have to go live with your dad rather than your mom. So I'm sure that was really challenging. And I really felt bad because, you know, moms, moms, you know, do the first period thing and this is how you wear makeup. So, you know, stuff like that, you know, that, that moms take care of, you know, it was, it was kind of hard. 
but I don't know. I don't remember having the talk with you about Oh, I thought we got a book or something. I remember Dad um, rented Madonna's movie. (laughs) What was that movie called? Sex. I think it was just called Sex. And he, like, watched it with me, and that was the entree into the talk. (laughs) I was like, this is really weird. (laughs) When I was young, I didn't question it. The story was, you know, your mom has a job where she needs to travel all the time, and Dad always said, I really wanted you, so I got to have you, and I'm so glad I got to have you. And um, your mom loves you very much. It made sense to me growing up, and people, I think other grown-ups that I met in my life, I don't know if Dad got to them first or whatever, but people (laughs) didn't really remark on it to me very much. I think when I got to be like in my 20s, about the age I knew mom was when she had me, 23, that I started to try to like put myself more in her shoes and how that happened. And then I think I started to question what had happened. Yeah, I remember you asking when you were in your 20s and not being satisfied with the answer (laughs) and asking again and getting the same answer. Because that was it. There wasn't really anything complicated. Um, It's just that Bruce and I, you know, came to this point in our relationship that it wasn't healthy for either one of us to stay together. Well, yeah, the question I asked you was, do you ever wonder what it would have been like if you had had primary custody of me? And you said, it just wouldn't have worked out. No, no, I, I, you know, and um, I didn't really want to have children. <clears throat> it's just that, I, you know, I got pregnant. I didn't want kids. And um, Bruce did. He really wanted children, you know. It's just that I just, I mean, I'm glad I have you. I'm, I'm totally glad I have two lovely daughters. But I didn't see myself as someone who would have children because I was I've just always been so focused on my work and what what would it have been like if I was would have stayed with Bruce I I could I, I couldn't I, I couldn't have. but not if you had stayed with dad but just if you had oh had me. you oh I've had you it would have been hard I wouldn't have been that I, I I'm not good parenting material <laughs> I'm just not I'm not very good at being disciplined you know and um so no, and your dad really is. He's a, he's the routine guy, right? Yeah. You know, you get up time. You know, if it's Tuesday, you have this for breakfast. If it's <laughs> Wednesday, you have this for breakfast. And you know, he I knew that he would be able to give that stability rather than a flighty person like I am. Like I have two kids now, and I could not do it. I could never do that. You know, so I think that created kind of a jagged empty place in me. Divorcing Bruce and leaving Joan was the hardest thing I've done in my life. Yeah, I still cry about it. But we couldn't, you know, we just couldn't go on. It's really, really hard to imagine a more complex dilemma to be in. I mean, Shirley was really caught between sort of satisfying her own needs and um, being responsible to you know, the daughter, the, the child that she created. It's really interesting also to hear Joan's perspective. And now 
she herself is a mother. So she also has to reconcile her needs and the needs of her children, which can sometimes feel endless. That's a difficult dilemma on a daily basis. And it, and it makes me think about when you get on a plane and they say, put your own oxygen mask on first before assisting others. So I sometimes think about that. Um, and when I'm, when I'm making decisions about prioritizing my daughter's needs and my needs, um, that is the choice you're making when you have people in your life to take care of. And, um, it's not for everybody. And that doesn't make you cold or unnatural. It just, it just means you're thinking really carefully about these things. It's not, it's not always easy to talk about those things. I mean, for reasons that we've mentioned, we're really grateful to all of these women who have participated in this episode. So it's, it's brave of, of the people who shared their stories. Um, but I think it's also really Im- important to talk about these things. That's kind of what we try to do with the stories on this podcast. So thank you, Madeline, Leah, Beth, Beverly, Joan, Shirley. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. If you want to contact us, we're at motheraPodcast at gmail.com. It's all, all one word all lowercase and you could also leave a comment on itunes we would love to hear from you thanks for tuning in until next time goodbye